Welcome to your number one source of information on women's pelvic health. On this podcast, you will hear from medical experts, pelvic health professionals, holistic healers, and patients themselves in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about regaining and maintaining your pelvic health and becoming your own best advocate for your pelvic floor, the most vital part of our bodies as women. All of the conversations are intimate, raw, and unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. Thank you for coming back for the third episode of the podcast. You're very welcome. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you as always. Yay. Um, it's always special having you because you're the first ever guest. And a few weeks ago, you sent me a photo that popped up on your phone. That was like one year ago timeline, right? Yeah. And it was when we recorded the first episode a year ago. So it's pretty crazy. And... I will always be very appreciative of you. So thank you. Well, thank you because this podcast is amazing. Couldn't have done it without you. Yeah. I mean, you've had so many awesome people on here and I think you've helped a lot of people. So I'm very happy to be here again. Thank you. And you were really, you and and Erica were a big motivating force for me. So seriously, I am forever grateful. And today we are going to talk about prolapse, which is actually a really common pelvic floor problem and we haven't really talked about it yet on the podcast so I think we came up with the idea together that it was time to talk about this prolapse is a condition that one in ten women have that's the statistic that 200,000 surgeries are done in the U.S. a year for and the United States alone spends 80 billion dollars a year on managing this condition so it's clearly an extremely prominent and important topic that more attention, education, and awareness needs to be brought to, and it's treatable. So it's really just about being educated so that you can get a proper diagnosis. Right, exactly. I mean, a lot of women, first of all, when they get prolapse, you know, they're confused. They don't know what doctor to go to. They don't know what to do. And oftentimes, um, you know, it depends where you live in the country, but oftentimes physicians will offer surgery. But there are other things that can help that are much less invasive. So can you explain what prolapse is? Yes. So here's the proper definition, and then I'll break it down a little bit. So prolapse is the descent of one or more of the anterior vaginal wall, posterior vaginal wall, the uterus, or the apex of the vagina. So if we think about our pelvis, there are organs, and the organs are suspended by fascia which is not, it's not muscle, but it's connective tissue. So the fascia supports all the organs. So with something like childbirth, where there's a lot of pressure, and if you were pushing for a long time, you're gonna stretch the fascia. And then what happens is the organs kind of start to sag. And I don't wanna say fall down, but they can start to fall into one another. So um, the bladder sits in the front by the pubic bone. And so if the bladder kind of falls backwards into the vaginal wall, that's considered a cystocele uh, and referring to the bladder. And then sometimes the urethra can fall a little bit as well, and that's called a urethra seal. 
if the rectum, the rectum sits in the back, if that falls towards the vagina, it's called a rectocele. And then if the actual uterus starts to fall inwards towards the vagina, that would just be called um, a uterine prolapse. Interesting. Yes. And so they all are caused from similar reasons or how are they caused? So there's a lot of causes. So childbirth, as I said before, if you're pushing, straining, etc., or you are pushing for a very long time, that's a risk factor. Uh, if you partake in heavy lifting, either recreationally or for work, where you're constantly lifting really, really heavy loads repetitively, um, and if you have a history of straining. So let's say you have constipation and you're constantly, constantly straining on the toilet, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the uh, organs. And then the last thing which um, is interesting is that they actually think, and there is a study that showed that um, hypermobility, so women that are very flexible, can be a risk factor for Me? prolapse. <laughs> <laughs> you are flexible. Add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they actually use this scale. Yeah. Um, it's called the nine point Brighton hypermobility score, where you kind of look at okay, if you take your thumb, can you press it all the way to your wrist? Um, can you hyperextend your elbows? Can you hyperextend your knees? Oh, and you, I can. Look at my you thumb. You can. All the way down to that. Oh, no. Yeah. But yeah. that's like pretty. It is, but they want you to be able to touch. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah. That's so crazy. the thumb has to actually touch the wrist. But I think it's more double jointed. Yeah, double jointed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then being able to touch the floor with your hands completely flat. And so from that total st score, if you have a certain score, they would consider that a risk factor. And I think that's because um, in hypermobility, the collagen within the tissue is just stretchier. So that, you know, that can be a risk factor for having prolapse. Mm -hmm. And how is prolapse diagnosed? So prolapse would be diagnosed by a physician. Um, in New York, in New York City, my experience is that a urogynecologist will diagnose it. So somebody who has training in urology and gynecology. Um, maybe in other parts of the country, they might a gynecologist might do it. Um, as PTs, we do check for it, but we won't diagnose it. And, you know, usually when you go into the doctor's office, what they're going to do is they'll do a full exam. You know, they'll have you lay down and they'll have you try to push out. And when you push out, they're going to see what happens to the organs. And they use this system called the POP-Q, um, which quantifies the prolapse. It's kind of complicated. Um, and, and the basis of it is that if the organ comes to the level of the hymen, that's kind of neutral. Um, and then if it, if it actually comes outside of your body, that gives you a positive score. And if it stays above it, it's a negative score. And so usually prolapses are graded on a scale of one to four so one to two is not as bad and they actually don't come outside of the body and grade three to four it will actually come outside of the vaginal opening interesting so if somebody so you would have the patient push down and then see if something comes wow. towards you yeah so is it easy for someone to tell if they have prolapse or what are the main symptoms if they don't have at that mi that severe of a prolapse if they have a more mild prolapse right. or they have symptoms from prolapse what would the symptoms be and how how can they tell or 
how could they, you know, go to a doctor and say, I think I have prolapse because I have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So normally people will complain of heaviness in their pelvis. Mm. They'll complain of pressure. They might feel something hanging or bulging outside of them. Or like they go to sit on a chair and they literally feel like something's hanging out of them. So that's why you would go to the doctor. But, but... A lot of people in and of itself, they have prolapse, but without any symptoms. So there was, this is actually, there's a study um, from 2014 where they looked at 9,000 women um, that had had one baby, one year postpartum. Um, and what they, fa- they found was 89% of them had a uterine prolapse. Uh, 90% of them had a cystocele, which is the bladder. This is all from one baby? Yeah. And a rectocele, which is the rectum, 70% of them had it. And up to 65% of them had a grade two. So grade one is the least. Grade two is, uh, you know, the next one up. But what's interesting... What's the highest one? Uh, grade four. Uh-huh. So what's interesting is that 80% of them were asymptomatic. Wow. So... So they were functioning optimally. So 80% of those women, 80% of the 9,000 women had some form of prolapse, grade one up to grade two, and they didn't have any symptoms, which is interesting. So, you know, just because you have prolapse doesn't mean that it's a problem or that it's going to cause symptoms. Interesting. But later in life, you know, during menopause because the hormone the hormones change and the tissues change it can become more prominent and may become more of a problem but not always so is this something that you see a lot in your practice yeah yeah so definitely you know postpartum women will come in and they may ask us to check for it or they were feeling it Mm. so we'll see it um but the good news is that with postpartum women you know once they're you know usually finished up with breastfeeding and they've gotten their period and hormone levels kind of level out usually the prolapse will improve if someone thinks that they may have prolapse would you say that who would you say that the first practitioner they should see should be like should it be a pelvic floor physical therapist should it be their gynecologist or urologist like or it does not really matter can they all equally diagnose you know, I think if you want to get an accurate diagnosis, I would probably try to see a urogynecologist mm-hmm. if you have one. And then if not, I would probably go to a gynecologist. Right. And if that's not getting you answers, then going to see a pelvic floor PT. But like I said, we can't really technically diagnose them, but we could say, oh, we see something, you know, this is what we think it might be, et cetera. And you can help to treat it. Well, can you talk about the the treatments for prolapse and then the role that pelvic floor physical therapy plays in that treatment? Yes. So with prolapse, it's important to remember that because the fascia is what holds up the organs, that we can't repair the fascia because it's not like muscle. It doesn't really stretch. It's not, you can't contract it. So generally once there's a prolapse there, the level of it is probably not going to change. Um, with pregnancy, it could improve a little bit if the pelvis comes once the pelvis comes back together, etc. But what ca- what we can help with is the symptoms. So, 
sometimes with prolapse, the pelvic floor will be kind of overactive because the patient's feeling something or they're trying to prevent it from falling out. So they may be subconsciously or consciously squeezing their pelvic floor. So, you know, for so for an exam, you come in, we'll check your pelvic floor. We'll see, okay, can you squeeze? Can you relax? Can you push out? And what happens to the prolapse? And so if there's tight muscles, we'll work on letting them release because if they're tight, they can't really absorb force so well. So we want those pelvic floor muscles to be able to move well. And then if when we ask you to bear down, the prolapse becomes a lot worse, we want to teach you how to properly bear down without making the prolapse worse. Uh, worse so positioning breathing etc and this is important for bowel movements because like I said if you're chronically straining on the toilet you're going to make the prolapse worse Um, and then we would just go through you know check your breathing habits check your strength in general and just make sure any of your pelvic floor habits um, if there's anything that's triggering the more pressure on the pelvic floor and the organs that we want to eliminate that like hovering over the toilet which i talked about in the first episode that that will make prolapse remember that comment too yeah people are like oh i had no idea that hovering was bad yeah but hovering if you have prolapse is going to make it worse Mm -hmm. and is surgery something that is done often for prolapse or it depends on the, the severity? It depends. So like a statistic I have here is that um, surgery prevalence varies from 6 to 18 percent, um, which I think seems kind of low because I think, I, so think I think that across the country, a lot of times the only option offered is surgery. Right. Um, so I think that that surgery actually happens more often than that statistic shows. And so I don't know, you know, if you ever see those advertisements for mesh, you know, mm-hmm. like I had surgery and the mesh ruins. I mean, a lot of times the mesh is from the um, surgery. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can pelvic floor physical therapy be used as a preventative measure for prolapse? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, I don't, I can't cite a certain study right. on it, but... You know, if you know prop like how to have proper bowel habits, how to push properly, you know, if you see a pelvic floor PT prior to delivery and they make sure that you know how to bear down properly, I mean, the hope is is that your labor will go quicker and you're not pushing as much. So those are all risk factors. So I would say yes, if we can kind of mitigate those, then your risk of prolapse, I would say, would go down. But again, there's no like scientific studies that that prove that. But can I ask a question? Why is it that a woman could develop prolapse in their 60s after they've, like, 20, 30 years after they've given birth to however many kids they've had? Well, so maybe they maybe they were that. Because that's a pot. Like, I feel like yeah. women do develop it much later on in life. Yeah, yeah. So let's say they had, they were in that group of women that after they had a baby, maybe they had a grade one or a grade two prolapse, right? And they were asymptomatic. So then they go through their life and let's say maybe they have constipation. So they're chronically straining all the time. So maybe they made that a little bit worse. And then once you go through menopause, you don't have as much estrogen. And estrogen keeps the tissue elastic and flexible, so it's able to absorb force better. But once you go through menopause, the tissue is not as elastic. So instead of the pelvic floor absorbing the force, you're going to have the other tissues absorbing it. So that may put more pressure on it. And so then they might start to feel symptoms. Interesting. Yeah. So it may, it's like a culmination of things. So is there something that could be done in in the interim to 
prevent that from i mean pelvic floor physical therapy could be one of them or is it kind of just like an inevitable problem that it might be something that happens later on in life and it's fixable yeah, I mean, I don't, aside from pelvic floor yeah. PT as preventative measure, I don't know. Now, there is, I didn't comment on this before, uh-huh. but the other treatment that can be offered for prolapse is a pessary. Mm-hmm. So a pessary is a device. There's different um, shapes and sizes. Um, one style is a ring. So it kind of looks like a nuva ring. And the idea is that it's inserted into the vagina, you know, up a little bit higher and it kind of holds space within the vagina. So the bladder can't fall as far and the rectum can't fall as far. And if the the uterus is prolapsing, it'll prevent it from coming down. So a pessary can be helpful if you know you have prolapse and you're very asymptomatic, it may really help to alleviate the symptoms. And that's a non-surgical option. Interesting. And then another form of a pessary that is um, kind of over the counter is the poison pressa, which is kind of, it's like a tampon, but it has kind of a wide base to it. So you can insert that in and that can also hold some space within the vagina. Um, for a pessary, you usually see a urogynecologist to fit it. Interesting. Yeah. And what type of results do you see in women who have been treated for prolapse? So I've seen mostly grade one and two prolapses. And usually what happens is, again, the stage of their prolapse does not get better. It stays the same. But usually their symptoms get a lot better. Because like I said, we'll deal with constipation. We'll work on how to push. We'll make sure their exercises that they're doing are appropriate. Um, I really haven't. I've seen people post prolapse surgery when they must have had a larger prolapse and they they do well. I haven't really actually encountered anybody where their um, organs were actually like coming out of their body. But in that case, you know, we may not be able to help. Right. Because if something's actually coming outside of the vagina, like I said, we can't really fix that. But surgery can. Surgery could, but also a pessary could. Uh huh. A pessary could as well. So. A few listeners wrote in some questions about prolapse that I want to ask you. The first one being, so many women feel alone and isolated with pelvic organ prolapse. Why is this so taboo? So with pelvic organ prolapse, um, I think that there's a thought that prolapse is something that only happens to older women. So I think when younger women start to feel it or they have the symptoms, you know, you start Googling stuff and really what you find is surgery and it's maybe older women that have it. So it's like you may be thinking, oh, I'm the only person that has it, you know, um, and like this past weekend, we went to this great class, Erica and I, on the female athlete and the pelvic floor. And, um, you know, there's a lot of there was a lot of trainers there, a lot of CrossFit instructors and a lot of the clients that they work with, they have prolapse, but they're just so embarrassed by it. Um, and then, you know, they get conflicting advice about what they should do and what they shouldn't do, et cetera. So I think it's just confusing. And I think people don't really talk about it because you're maybe not warned that you could get prolapse after having childbirth, you know, and also when you feel something hanging outside of you, like you probably are freaking out and you feel weird and you probably don't want to tell anybody else. I think that's probably mm-hmm. the best, the best answer that I can give. Yeah. It's yeah. like a lot of the, a lot of pelvic pain problems. Yeah. People think that no one else has them, but it's not true, but it's not true at all at all. 
And the second question is, how can physical therapy help with surgery post-op? Great question. And you touched upon that a little bit, but to reiterate. So let's say that um, you, again, you had a prolapse after you had your babies and then, you know, now it's 20, 30 years later and the prolapse is getting worse and you have surgery. You know, prolapse in and of itself can cause, contribute to constipation or difficulty emptying your bladder. So if you've adjusted your habits for that, so now you're straining, you're pushing a lot, you're doing all these weird things to go to the bathroom, then you get your prolapse fixed and then you continue with those horrible bathroom habits, or not horrible, but not optimal bathroom habits, you could put more pressure on the prolapse and potentially, I'm not gonna say ruin the surgery, but surgery is not gonna be as effective. So, you know, and even after surgery, it's surgery. So there's going to be scar tissue and there's going to be some tight muscles. So working on some of the scars and the pelvic floor could also be a little bit tight after. So working on that and just making sure everything's working together. Um, So I think it is really helpful. I would say at least to do one visit, at least one visit after prolapse surgery, just to make sure you're doing everything correctly to prevent you from, you know, disrupting the surgery or needing another one. And I talked about this with Erica a little bit in the other podcast episode we recorded, but the reason that, and I said this exact same thing, but the reason that I love you guys so much is because you're so honest. So if someone were to come to you just to get an evaluation, like that's the way physical therapists should work. Like if they came to get an evaluation and you said, oh, we don't need to treat you. Like we're not, there's nothing we could do for you or you're healing just fine. Yeah. Give it some time. Yeah. You'd be the first person to tell a patient that. So of course, just getting evaluated is really important and then hoping that whoever you're seeing is going to be honest with you and if they don't think that you need to be in physical therapy they'll tell you that right but it's you know it's like better safe than sorry right exactly if there's something they can do you might as well yeah i mean i've yeah i mean we erica and i have both have cases of patients that had prolapse surgery and then like two weeks later we're like running again and then they they got pain and they developed all these symptoms and then they came to us like two months later and it's like you know if they had come to see us right after yeah we could have really helped them with their healing Mm -hmm. you know and it's like it's crazy to me because like if you have shoulder surgery or knee surgery or hip surgery you're in pt like Right right away so what's the difference like okay we've fixed your organ so now you don't need pt like i i don't know that doesn't really make sense to me it doesn't yeah I think it's just because pelvic floor PT is still under the radar a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can be super helpful. I mean, I've helped so many women, like, with prolapse, help them feel better. Yeah. So it's 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 amazing. It can help so much. It's important. It is important. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Thank you. You're welcome. Where can people contact you? So uh, Eric and I opened up a new clinic i know did you say that in well the last we mentioned episode? it in the last episode and i should have mentioned it in the yeah. beginning again but yeah erica and kara have again i'll mention it again opened a new clinic in midtown yeah. I'll, I'll let you share yeah but. it's in midtown um we're called solstice physiotherapy and if you want to reach us you can email us at info at solstice um, you can go to our website. I'm sure Hannah will put it in the show notes. Yes. Um, and we'll always do 15-minute con- phone consultations with people for free. Um, if you, there's just a form on our website. You can fill it out, and then we'll call you and talk with you and answer your questions. Um, so, yeah, you can find us there. Thank you again for doing this and for talking about this topic that I think people don't know that much about, and clearly so many women have. So this was super valuable, and I appreciate you. 
Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you again for all the listeners as well for tuning in. Please share your thoughts, comments, and questions about this episode or any other episode at info at the women's pelvic health podcast.com. I would love to hear from you. And as always, please rate and review the podcast in the iTunes store. I wish all of you health, healing, and happiness. <laughs>